1: Money starts right now. Live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's lineup is Carter Worth, Steve Grasso, Mark Tepper, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, the last of the Fang stocks, Alphabet, out with earnings moments ago. That stock down about 2.5% right now. Josh Lifton just spoke to CFO Ruth Porat. He's been monitoring the company conference call and will bring us the very latest headlines. Plus, as the markets have rallied off the lows, the chartmaster says there is one group of stocks that have come too far, too fast. He'll tell us what to buy instead. But we start off with the rally. The Nasdaq officially exiting a correction as tech stocks were on the run today. The Nasdaq now up 18 percent from the depths of those December lows. And you'd think it was off to the races, but with Am- Alphabet coming up lame and the bulk of the big tech stocks actually lower since their reports, has this rally been nothing more than a head fake? Dan.
2: Well, I don't think so. If you go back to the beginning of December, right after the G20, we had this gap opening and there was a lot of enthusiasm about maybe some clarity on some of the massive headwinds that had started the volatility earlier in the summer into the fall. And you think about it, the Nasdaq composite dropped 18% in nearly a straight line in three weeks. So we've had this massive V-reversal on the way back. All of us, all during the beginning of January, said you really got to wait for earnings. We got to see what sort of visibility they have and how they are positioning for 2019 as it relates to expense relative to the possible for a deceleration in sales growth. What have we seen in MAGA? Microsoft, Apple, Google, really catching and Amazon. Yeah. Those are really <laughs> important stocks. They're all $800 billion market cap stocks. They make up at 35% of the NASDAQ 100. What are we seeing? We are seeing them deal with decelerating revenue growth for 2019. So are we likely to see a stall here now that they've all reported earnings and now that they've all run on a, after this V reversal? Yeah. Is it a head fake right now with the NASDAQ up 11%? Let me just tell you, if it's February 4th and you're buying the NASDAQ up 11%, you're kind of doing it wrong. We're going to have an opportunity to buy them I lower. mean, the
3: ricochet is a function of the preceding sell-off, right? If you were to actually look at all instances where the s and moved up more than 10% in 10 sessions or 15% in 20, almost all of them are predicated on a preceding decline, meaning strength like this doesn't happen at a high. It happens off of a low. And so the real question is, is the sell-off the primary event and this is the secondary event? And to some extent, you have to say that. Yes. It's recovering from the damage done, but the damage was still... Still done, And key stocks, such as, frankly, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, are not performing in line with the market. So I think
0: their first question was, do you we think we're overextended or is it all safe? Yeah. Basically, paraphrasing. I, I do think that we're overextended. I think it was a positioning issue. So everything that these guys just said, we were so oversold on that level in December. We rebounded. There's a lot of those ma- uh, mega maga or mega tech names that drove us down, are lifting us up and they eventually will run out of gas and we're going to see the market turn around and flatten out and then roll over
4: so when you look at the macro landscape i mean we're in a period of time right now where economic growth is decelerating we're seeing inflation slowing and typically when that happens and you back test the different sectors tech is actually one of the worst performing sectors so uh, I do think with the Powell pause in play right now, I do think that inflation will start to tick up over the course of the next few months, and I think we're going to see some some better results out of tech over the course of the next quarter or so. Hey,
2: listen, I, I think it's fair to say that Amazon down three and a half percent on Friday after those results is a rounding error when you consider where the stock has been in the last year, what they reported. I mean, anybody can pick. Listen, Google, the way it's trading right now, or Alphabet, it's really trading like a rounding error. It's to me there was nothing in any of these results that said you have. Have to run for the hills, and you have to sell them. What you really are dealing now is with the fact that those stocks made up such a disproportionate amount of the positive performance over the last few years. And now, as we see this deceleration in sales and the potential for these headwinds to remain in 2019, you're saying to yourself, "Do I have to go in and buy them now?" Well, and I
0: will I, I, ta- tell you the thing that would make me change my mind because I do believe that we are—we're—I think we're all on the same sort of page right you now. Sound
1: a little bit working. You sound a little more constructive, Mark.
0: Yeah, I would say. Um, yeah. I mean, so so Versus, I. Yes. I'll I would, I would say, though, that the Powell pause for me, if, if Powell comes straight out now and it ends QT instead of dancing around that topic, I would assume that that would give me the all clear. He's because to do that? You think he's going to? do well, that? He, he danced around it.
3: No, no, no. I, I don't think he's going to do it. Okay. So that's why I'm still so he, hanging so on. So you're to
1: saying my, I'm not going to get the all clear? I'm not going
3: to
0: get the all clear. Yourself. I think what everyone has has but do
3: factored you in the though. I think the pausing is really the all clear because it's really if he doesn't go anymore, it's a different set of problems, right?
0: I, no, yeah. I totally agree. I'm still negative on the market. So we sat here during that Christmas week, and I said that we I thought we we're going to see a rally of 10%. We overshot that level. We're still below the 200-day moving average in the S&P cash. I still believe that where it was just at this point. Guys are now 100% where they should be. They're long. So I do believe that you're going to see the last gasp, China trade. When that deal gets done, you might have a day or two or three, the market rolls over on that.
4: So I think you're going to see tech continue to underperform relative to the S&P for probably the first half of the year. And then I think by the second half, tech is going to regain its leadership. And I actually expect tech to be the best performing sector in the S&P 500 this year. Do you like, year. like
3: cyclicals like semis within tech? Or no, we stage? prefer software. Software.
4: Yeah, I right. think so software. you
3: like growth versus value?
4: Yeah, I think software is where it's at. I mean, we're looking at higher margins there. Uh, we specifically like the companies that are, that are realizing recurring revenues. So you look at a company like Salesforce. All recurring revenue. They've got clients and customers that are investing heavily to get their platform off the ground. So it's tough to, to leave them in the event of a recession. And you know, quite frankly, that's one of the last things people are businesses are going to cut. In and a recession. governments. I
2: mean, listen, it's a really important point. I mean, obviously there's a massive secular shift going on in that area, but when you think about the totality of those market caps, it's going to be really hard if they continue to outperform and you don't have the mega caps, the magas doing it too. I just think it's really important to remember that, you know, we have seen rotations over the last couple years and the market's really gone nowhere. I think you really got to focus on the banks. Our friend Peter Bookvar in a note this morning highlighted European bank stocks. And it's really important. The SX7E is down almost 40 percent from year ago highs. So we're talking about the, the Fed pause here. We're talking about maybe a government shutdown deal. We're talking about some of these things that are very much focused on here. The headwinds, though, that we're seeing in Europe, the European banks are telling you something. And let me tell you what has not rallied over the last couple of weeks since they reported. JP Morgan. It's basically flat. Banks U.S. banks jump. have really stalled here and i think that well, just think about spend what we we're just saying before, before. but focus if, on this if too. if
0: the powell pause when carter just said it's a whole host of other problems now you're going to have the the growth issues going forward so i, I think that you're going to have when you come out of that china trade deal that's going to be a negative for China. That's going to be a negative for the U.S. That's going to be a negative to everyone because, by, by the essence of the deal, China's growth is going to come in further. It's not That's not going to increase China's growth, right? Tariffs are still going to stay in place to keep their good word on it. But if they've been taking us or raking us so over the kind coals. What deal are
1: you thinking of, though? I mean, well, I, mean put I think it this way, if people they, are thinking of a deal and, what, and tariffs get suspended or at least they won't be ratcheted up. So, how is China growth going to be so, further? So, America? they have
0: to give something, right? They, they have to uh-huh. give something back because Trump wants a, a Good deal. So it's by its essence, they're giving something up. So not
1: forcing technology transfer is a There's, thing
3: go, on there's their going, Real, there's there's going is, to be the deal priced in. Let's say there is a deal. We could have already priced that in by the right. 19% move in the Russell. That, that's, that's also when do you think case? a deal is going to
0: happen this year? So they're going period. to have to have a deal done in the next month. You don't think they're, they're, going to have, they're going to have to have something done. If they don't have something done, the market sells off. If, if they right. get something done, that crimps gro- global growth even further. So everyone thinks this is the, the magic pill. It's not the magic pill. And you're sort of checking these boxes that global growth is actually starting to so be So it's damned if further. you do,
1: damned if you don't in terms of the market. I do, I do feel China that way. I mean, I, but but like I also saying.
0: feel like everyone was so damn positioned for this for what uh, was not positioned for the sell-off that they're ratcheting back up now and that's why you're seeing all those names and, 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 and
2: I think it could make the case though why if you literally have more than a six-month time horizon that you know the the crash that we saw and it was a crash for all intents and purposes from the highs in September in the s p 500 down to the Christmas Eve massacre you know if you're a dollar cost averager you're gonna have opportunities like that to buy some of these names and secular um, sort of you know like moves like your your CRms and that sort of thing and that's the way you're gonna have have to trade. Because if you look at since the start of 2018, we've had some peaks and drops. We've had some uh, retests of some, you know, big dramatic moves. We may get another one. Uh, you know, I just don't think there's any opportunity right now to say it's done. The coast is clear. Right. It's all, all yeah.
3: about the cycle. Sickle. The sickles have led off the lows because they led on the way down and we've expended a lot of energy. So if you have latent potential, then you have exploitation potential. How much of the potential that existed at the lows in December has been exploited? A great deal, if not all.
1: What scenario, Grasso, do you see in which the markets would go higher then? If a China trade deal is not going to send the markets higher?
0: Uh, as I said before, I think it will? revolves around the Fed. I think you're going to have to, because right now, the Fed is not neutral. The Fed, the Fed with the Fed funds rate uh-huh. minus CPI, you're still positive there. They're still tightening. If he still continues QT, even if, even well, if, if this year they slow do. it down. Mm-hmm. Right. He's still burning to, through $400 billion this that's year. That's negative for Tightening. the market. Negative for the market. So the, in the if most, he stops QT, that's right. The most where likely
1: of all scenarios when it comes to the Fed as well as China, the market goes down. That's the, where you're trading The market goes down,
0: and this is a whiplash effect that everyone was enamored with the headline, the Fed is on hold. People have factored in now that the Fed is doing nothing for 2019 and that they're slowing down QT immediately, which is, which is an error on their part. Just quickly, you agree?
2: Yeah, I do agree. And and I just think the the biggest, the most most dangerous thing is that if there is some external event, look where Fed funds were, look where we took a pause here. You know, I go back to saying this. Remember, we we dreamed up all the twist and this and that and 11, 12, 13. Can you imagine the acronyms that they're going to have to come up to support our economy if we do have some sort of event that emanates from Europe or China? All right. Let's
1: get a quick check on shares of Alphabet. They're down uh, more than 3% after earnings. Carter, why don't you head on over to the plasma. Let's get some instant analysis on the stock.
3: Right. So, you know, it's almost identical to what Amazon did, frankly, what Microsoft did. And this is the issue for the market. You, you need these big names to perform uh, for the market truly to uh, press higher. So is it not event? In a way, it is. It, it's not so much how much it's down. It's the fact that it's not up. Amazon if things were good, should have been up, so to speak. Microsoft, uh, Google. Anyway, let's look at a few charts and see if we can put it all together. So the lines kind of were waiting for this in a way, you know. Uh, Google has been up against this, This is, and it's going to fail here, right? It's going to hit that and move back down. Now again, it's not a big deal, but I would point out also something. Right here, which you can barely see, if I zoom in here, there is an unfilled gap right there. You could just see it. There have been about 16 gaps in the past 12 months. It's the only unfilled gap. And that's actually kind of where the stock is indicated uh, in the morning, which is a very interesting uh, thing. Unfilled gaps are very real. So here is the tell, maybe, as to not only did Google come up to this line and is failing, but as it was advancing, and this is really the issue, off of the lows, it's been underperforming the market. And now, of course, the facts are out. Earnings were not good enough.
1: All right. Thanks for that, Carter. Why don't you come on back over? We should let Carter come. Yeah, we should probably. He should. There's (laughs) a seat. I mean, theoretically.
0: So, so Google, I agree with him, Google has been trading, but it's been fighting its 200-day moving average, which is roughly 11.27 since back in October. It's had a couple of run at it uh, during this volatile period that we've had. It's stalled. Today was the day where it was up most of the day above that 200-day moving average. It got rejected again at the end of the day, and we see what the stock is telling us right now. I think, I agree most with that declining trend line. For me, you sell Google. Google has those expenses, content costs, YouTube, what it's costing to drive more traffic through them. I I don't think they're beyond GDPR yet, and you're going to have to literally sign off on it to release your data. And I think that's a major headwind still. Mark,
1: quick take on on Alphabet.
0: Love it
4: long term. Um, There's one number that, uh, that they obviously can't publish because I think it comes from the advertisers, and that is cost per qualified lead. From the advertisers' perspective, and I think that cost is lowest with Google because they really do have the best digital advertising platform out there. All
1: right, we'll have much more Alphabet earnings throughout this hour as the conference call is underway. Plus, Gilead volatile after hours biotech stocks have been breaking out over the last month, but is the boom about to go bust? Plus, it is the two hundred and forty-five billion dollar question: What should Apple buy with all that cash? The traders. We'll play matchmaker, and after a strong start to the year, the chart master says a rally in one group of stocks is about to stop dead in its tracks. He'll tell us what that is. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Gilead falling after reporting earnings moments ago. It's down three and a half percent. Let's get to Seema Modi back at headquarters with the details. Hey, Seema. Hey, Melissa. Mixed reaction on Wall Street to Gilead's report. Jeffrey saying that the stock had some higher expectations going into today's report, given how management has talked up the business over the last few months, though analysts there still expect the stock to bounce in the longer term. RBC Capital staying bullish, reiterating their outperformed rating on Gilead, a $70 price target, citing the strength Gilead is seeing in its HIV franchise, which is continuing to help drive product sales above consensus. And, Melissa, that's a key question for Gilead Sciences longer term. If strength in its HIV drug franchise can offset the decline in its flagship hepatitis C drugs, shares are down about 3.5% after hours, but a longer-term chart will show you that it is down about 15% in the past one year Melissa back to you. All right, Seema thanks. Seema Modi back at headquarters. Mark, what do you like about Gilead or not like? Oh, I
4: don't like much at all. So oh. you know, unfortunately, uh, sales have been declining since 2015. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting 2018 to hopefully for Gilead be a trough, but that's you know probably not the case. Hepatitis market is declining. The, their HIV franchise might be peaking. What they really need to do is they need to transition more towards cancer and diabetes. They have a new CEO in place who could help them with that transition, but I think that's really where the future is in biotech.
0: And I think that new CEO is running out of momentum. That was announced in December. Stocks running Already? out of momentum.
1: Oh, no. stock is. Yeah, <laughs> I think the him. new CEO. I was like, you yeah, just I
0: started. I, I don't know. I haven't checked him. I don't know. Maybe he's <laughs> got to go for a physical. But when you look at IBB, I, I always choose to invest in IBB over the, in, the individual stocks. IBB slammed from October to December, da- down 27% up 14% year-to-date, outperforms the majors. I would stick with the IBB versus buying the stock-specific name.
3: And then XBI, which through the big run-up outperformed the IBB because it's more weighted towards the smaller ones then is underperformed. If you really want to embrace this as a theme, you want to go with the smaller, higher beta names.
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting about the XBI. um, You know, it topped out at 100, went down to 65. I mean, to see a a weighted index or an ETF move like that in such a short period of time. Now back at $85, it looks like it's at massive resistance. And so, you know, we've seen some acquisitions over the last six months. It just doesn't seem we're like in that sort of environment, especially in a very speculative space where we're likely to see more right now. So to me, I would be shocked to see XBI meaningfully make a run at what was a huge double top at 100 bucks.
0: You know what's a, a bigger macro? Theme as well. Another headwind for this space is we talked about drug pricing. That has always been a headwind for this space. It's a bipartisan headwind. And now, with the Democrats running the House, we saw today the stock buybacks coming out in full force against that. Does it really go anyplace? Probably not. But now, when you start to talk drug pricing, that's truly a Democrat and a Republican source of contention for these corporations, maybe that rears its ugly head again and is another headwind for well, the entire Well, just remember space. when
2: the group topped out in 2016, is when Hillary Clinton. started talking yeah. about it, and that was Sweet. just a nasty, Sweet. nasty one-year bloodbath.
0: All right, coming
1: up, check out Alphabet sinking after earnings report. The conference call is underway. We'll bring you the very latest, plus small caps leading the market this year up 12%. But Carter here, who called the rally, by the way, in late December, says the group has come too far too fast. He'll explain. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business Worldwide, much more fast. Still ahead.
5: You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Ready, set, rally. Markets on a tear this year with the S&P 500 up more than 10% in just the last few weeks. Our Bob Pisani is down at the NYSE with more on this rally. Hey, Bob.
6: It's very impressive, Melissa. The market is in a slow melt-up that's leaving it, I think, vulnerable to overvaluation. The market internals have been just outstanding recently, many more advancing than declining stocks for several weeks, buying interest is higher, Selling pressure is lower and volatility. The VIX has collapsed. It's at a four month low. The problem, as I see it, is valuation. Where are you on the 2019 earnings debate? That's all that matters right now. Strategists are divided between those who believe we are heading for an earnings recession, two straight quarters of negative earnings growth, and those who think we'll avoid that. This is not a trivial question. The last time we saw two consecutive quarters or more of declining earnings was in 2015 and 2016. Not surprised. The S&P was down 0.7% in 2015. That was the only down year between 2009 and 2017. Got your attention now? So right now, first quarter earnings are down to a measly 0.5% growth estimate, with full year estimates now down at 4.8%, half what it was four or five months ago. So if you're in that camp, that believes the market will see only, for example, 4% earnings growth, the consensus right now, then the S&P is currently selling for a 16.1 multiple. That's a bit pricey for such low earnings growth. But if you think there will be zero earnings growth, then the S&P is trading at a multiple of almost 17. That is really pricey for no earnings growth, considering the historic average is closer to 15 or 16, with typical earnings growth Of five or six percent now an additional issue is emerging as well the revenues are strong six seven percent in q1 but earnings are going to zero this implies that margins are under pressure likely from higher costs associated with wages and material costs it's another reason to be a bit cautious back to you Melissa
1: all right thank you Bob Bob Bissani so who's in the camp of zero percent revenue growth because that as Bob had mentioned really shifts how you think about PEs in this market
2: yeah, it does. I mean, we need to see the top line growth. If we don't see it, then you start actually pricing in what, what we think have been the adverse effects of uh, all these global headwinds we're talking about lower growth. So here's the thing. You know, we go, we talk about all the, the mega caps. and we're going to talk about some smaller caps.
1: But mega, about, not mega caps. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, think about what is the most economically sensitive thing, despite the secular shift towards online advertising, advertising. We haven't seen an earnings recession yet. We haven't seen a recession. People don't think that we can see the top line go down in Facebook or Amazon or uh, Google, it's likely to happen sometimes. The real
3: irony is that that you know, Wall Street in general holds out these models as being so officious, and this is my DCF model, this is my enterprise value, but, and yet there's been no changed earnings, and yet there was an earnings multiple collapse, and now we've had a re-rating of multiples. What is something worth? You know what it's worth? It's where it closes on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange in any given day, and it moves around so much that everything else is, is conversation. So is... Is this just another chance to fade after a sell off and a ricochet, or is something changed? The key issue is it's all about sentiment as much as ever before.
4: I think we've seen a lot of very conservative guidance out of a lot of companies. I've heard government shutdown being mentioned quite a bit, maybe not as much anymore, but I mean, that was like a significant portion of the earnings calls early on. Uh, I've also heard, um, you know, trade, and and now I think that you know, if we can get some sort of trade resolution, I don't know that we're going to have a comprehensive uh, trade package, but if we can get some sort of resolution, Powell stays put. Uh, I do think we're going to see better top line growth and and better earnings growth and is being priced in right now.
0: I I think it's what Bob had said, you know, you're paying a a high premium on EPS that has just been declining. This has all been 100% PE expansion. So if you believe, as you said, that the China trade deal, if that winds up resulting in companies exploding with CapEx, then you want to be a buyer of the market. If you don't believe that that's going to happen, then we're paying a premium for uh, earnings that just aren't there. Right.
1: Um, Small caps actually beating the markets this year. And Carter call the rally back in December.
3: Every single time that we have come down and gotten this low, what's happened is that small caps have outperformed. And we are at that critical juncture yet again. You can see it. And what has happened here is this is this, is this, is this, and I'm going to make the bet that that is going to happen again, that we are going to actually have a double bottom on this, and we're going to have a major multi-point bottom on the percentage above or below.
1: Well, the IWM is up around 17, oh, excuse me, 14% since then, but Carter says the rally has gotten ahead of itself. So why don't you head on over to the plasma and break it down?
3: It is a little steep. And remember, this is just getting into what's known as the January effect, that uh, typically small cap stocks, if you uh, subscribe to that kind of thing, will outperform, having been pressured at the end of the year. So it was a good year for January effect as a concept. Uh, but let's try to parse it out from here. SPY, uh, IWM. I think the key is that, of course, you overshoot, that's the nature of beta to the upside, the Russell, and you undershoot, right? So, cyclicality, uh, smaller uh, cap, lower quality in principle, the overshoot, the undershoot, they look the same, but what we really know is from the absolute low, from, the, from Christmas Eve, you've got the market S&P up 16.1, and you've got the Russell up almost 20. And adjusted for beta, it's kind of what you might expect. But what's starting to happen here of late is an issue that I think uh, can't be ignored. Here's the chart of of the Russell. Obviously, it's a big move. And essentially, it's a little better than 50% back from the preceding sell-off. But as the rally continued over the past two to three weeks, watch what's happening on a relative basis. So this is the interesting thing. Over the last leg of the rally, relative performance to the SPY has started to stall. And not only has it started to stall, look exactly where it is stalled. It has stalled up against the relative downtrend line to the penny. I think this is an issue. I think the small cap move, as good as it has been, is likely at an end.
1: All right, so fade the small cap rally. Uh, you know, when the same I think page, of small
2: caps, right? I think of, like, a, a, you know, a group that's pretty prominent in there and it's energy. And I look at, like, the, uh, the XOP, it's the S&P oil and gas ETF, and I look at the damage that was done. It literally got cut in half nearly in the last six months. And the bounce off the bottom is just bad. It's just not good. It's up maybe 25% after being down 50%. So, to me, I, I kind of like to put those two things together here, and I just don't see it for that group, especially, the, you know, Russell looks like it really hit some, some technical resistance. And it's
3: also heavy in financial. Right. That's part of the issue. Financials have ricocheted so much, which has lent part of the initial torque off the low. But now it's starting to stall. And and that is a problem.
0: Crude's starting to stall, too. So you see crude flattening out as well. But when you you brought up before, if your time horizon is longer than six months, you look at the XLE. So the XLE is up 11 or 12 percent year to date. You talk about energy. But look at it over five years. It's done nothing. It's down still 2%. Depending on how you look at it on a relative basis, it's down still 2%. So this is, these are names where, yes, you can make that big bang for your buck. But as Carter said, if it's rolling over, these energy names get hit hard.
4: Small caps were deeply oversold in mid-December. They're borderline overbought right now. We saw a lot of small cap outperformance against the S&P 500 for about the first week of January. I think it's already stalled out uh... and when we look at the potential for higher wages over the course of the next year or so we look at these companies have very high debt levels um, we would we would uh, expect that there's going to be underperformance in small caps the remainder of the year
1: all right let's get a check on our earnings mover as we had to break alphabet right now is down just about three percent the conference calls wrapping up will bring you all the latest headlines plus apple matchmaker jp morgan out with a list of companies it says could get swooned by the tech giant the traders will tell you if they agree Much more-
2: Learn more at comcastcorporation.com.
5: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place?
1: Welcome back to Fast Honey. We've got an earnings alert on Alphabet. The stock is lower in the after-hours session despite beating expectations. Let's get to Josh Lipton in San Francisco with the very latest from the conference call. Hey, Josh.
7: So, Matt, one focus on the call is clearly Google's capital expenditures. You saw uh, CapEx just shooting higher in the quarter to about $6.8 billion. That was higher in the street, was looking for. Here is CFO Ruth Porat talking about that on the call. Take a listen.
6: With respect to CapEx, we continue to invest in both compute requirements
1: and for office facilities, although we expect the CapEx growth rate in 2019 to moderate quite significantly.
7: Uh, CEO Sundar Pachai was also on the call with more color about those investments. Uh, New and expanded office space he talked about. Of course, you guys have that new campus there in NYC. Talked about data center construction and expansion. Called that an important long-term expansion. Uh, Also did give some color about uh, different business units and segments. Talked about YouTube. uh, Said the number of YouTube channels with more than 1 million subscribers nearly doubled uh, in the last year. Said the number of creators earning five or six figures grew by more than 40% year. Of a year, but no big uh, dramatic breakout of YouTube, the kind that we know some on the street would like to see. Uh, Same kind of goes for the cloud business. Um, Sundar Pichai saying it's fast growing. Said it was a multi-billion-dollar business. Said last year they more than doubled the number of Google Cloud platform deals over one million. Um, But no, again, no revenue run rate uh, broken out there. Even though analysts did press him on more more uh, stats and facts there. Though Porat calling it one of the company's fastest growing businesses. um, Of course, we know that business also as a new chief. Um, remember, Thomas Curian coming over from Oracle. He's taken over that business from Diane Green. Now back to you.
1: All right, Josh, thanks. Josh Lifton in San Francisco for more on Alphabet earnings. Let's bring in Fast Money friend and Loop Ventures founder Gene Munster on the Fast Line. Um, Gene, what do you make of the results? I mean, it's interesting because it, it seems like for a lot of these big cap tech companies, it's all about spending. If they're spending more than what investors expect, that really seems to put a damper on the movement of the, of the stock.
8: Yeah, Melissa, this call had a subtle tone of confusion from analysts that I can't really recall from other calls. But it was to your exact point. It was related to expenses. So uh, essentially, there's a mixed message coming from the company. On one side, you have them saying that they're going to spend more on cloud hardware, traffic acquisition, as mobile, which carries a higher cost of acquisition, becomes the growth driver, and so that's a negative, and that's investing more. On the other side, uh, to Josh's point and some of the, the soundbite that he had is they expect CapEx in hiring uh, growth rate to materially slow this year, which is positive for earnings. And so I think it's been this um, – there have been a few analysts that have asked just trying to get some clarity, and the company keeps – Reiterating these two points, I suspect the bottom line is is this, is investors don't like hearing about investment because we're in a period uh, where investors like profitability, but those investments are really important for the long term. So I think that the net of this quarter was very positive.
2: Hey, Gene, it's Dan. You know, last year, obviously, when Facebook told us that they are going to be spending more for a whole host of reasons, obviously earnings expectations for 19 got destroyed, and so did the stock. Here I'm looking at Google now, and it was one that we used to say on a peg basis, a P.E. to growth, looked pretty fair, even at about 20 times. Now earnings estimates are coming down for 2019 in mid-single digits, and the stock's trading 24 times. Is this when we kind of lose that P.E. to growth uh, for Google in the near term, or Alphabet?
8: I don't think so. I think this is going to generally stay in favor, in part because of the stability around this business. I just want to emphasize that. And that's different than some of the uncertainty around where Facebook's revenue growth ultimately is going to be or what Amazon investment cycle looks like. So uh, Google grew 22%. That's the same growth rate they've had over the past three years. really incredible to see that kind of stability. Uh, Now, there's going to be some wavering in that growth rate based on timing of new products that they talked about. But I think the key is this, is uh, Google is the oxygen of the Internet. We cannot live without it. And I think if you look at things like uh, Facebook and Netflix, uh, we potentially could live. There's other kind of services that we could supplement for those. So I think that um, you know, in this case, uh, this is a kind of a different type of a uh, conclusion here, and I think the conclusion is pretty straightforward: is that Google is going to be a long-term winner. Uh, they have a an AI-first approach, which will make their products better and be positive for revenue growth for the long term.
1: I get what you're saying, Gene, but I mean, on a multiple basis, it doesn't trade like like it's it's the must-have thing going forward. I mean, if you're saying we can. Do without Facebook and Netflix, they have a much higher multiple. How do we think about Alphabet, and and when does that premium get into the stock? If you really say that you know, it's it's the lifeblood of the internet.
8: So there's a little bit of. Um... Uh, effect where they're just not getting the proper credit. I I think Apple is probably the best example of not getting credit. I think Google is probably the second best example. And it's always hard to predict when investors will fully uh, realize and appreciate that. I think that if you look at the roadmap of how investors generally think, there's some skittishness about expenses, but they also uh, want to see revenue growth. So simply to answer your question is what could get this multiple to re-rate higher Unfortunately, it probably needs to come from some other events and their other bets, uh, what's going on with Waymo or barely their kind of their healthcare initiatives. I think those type of things, and just to kind of put Waymo way in a perspective, is um, I'm not endorsing these numbers, but some analysts think that that business could be worth 100 to $150 billion. So if you take the high end of that, that could add 20% to Google's overall uh, business here. And so these are massive opportunities opportunities that the company has longer term. And I think as investors have a hint that there's something exciting around the story in terms of revenue growth, that should be positive for the multiple.
1: What's your grade on the quarter, Gene?
8: So we're giving it a, a B plus, B plus, And I think that uh, revenue growth continues to be favorable, uh, expenses, some confusion, but this is the oxygen of the internet. And uh, it's one that investors should own.
1: All right. Gene, thanks so much for phoning in with your analysis. We appreciate it. It's always good to hear from you. Thank you. Gene Munster of Loop Ventures. Um, I feel like we go through this with a lot of these names. They say that they're going to spend more and then the stock goes lower. We saw that with Amazon. We saw Facebook have the opposite reaction because they had a handle on expenses.
0: Right. So, so if mobile is their growth strategy and the margins are going to be smaller in mobile, then that, that's the first problem. CapEx, and when, when uh, Gene said that they're the oxygen, there's a couple of players that are stealing the oxygen from them. So Research. it's Facebook and it's Amazon. No, ads. ads. Okay. So now it's, it's Facebook, it's Amazon. So there's a lot of people where they used to be the only guy at the table or the gorilla in the room. Now there's a couple of other gorillas in the room that are stealing oxygen from them. So I would wait till a little bit of this smoke clears. Waymo is not enough of a driver right now. That could be the one, as he said, to re-rate the multiple.
3: I mean, look, there are things that are in a way timely at any given moment in the market, and there are things that are maybe dull. Uh, Frankly, the stock is dull here. It's had a recovery. It's not indicated well tomorrow, nor is it indicated that poorly. The truth is it probably belongs here. Sometimes stocks are fairly priced. I think that's the case with Goog.
1: I mean, it has been dull for a while. (laughs) It has,
4: yeah, but I I still think it is a great long-term stock. I still think it is the biggest gorilla in the room when it comes to to digital advertising. Um, As a business owner myself, I've tried Facebook. I've tried some of these other uh, platforms, and just none of them are as effective as Google's. I mean, you can spam people in their Facebook news feed, or you can actually get qualified people to come to you through Google. So, you know, I think when it all boils down to how
2: effective the company is, I think they're just head and shoulders better than their peers. Well, I think the, the bigger thing relative to its peers is that it's very diversified, specifically to Facebook. You know, they have about seven platforms that with like over a billion users. Now, obviously, a lot of that is based on selling ads, um, but there's a lot of other drivers there. We're not going to know what Waymo means for this valuation for a very long time, but I think it's one of those reasons. People didn't like the other bets. Remember that? Like five years ago, it was kind of in the box for that sort of thing well now they have another bet that is the size of uh, many fortune 100 companies at least in market value within it so to me i think that again if you have a longer term time horizon it's likely you're going to see the stock back at a thousand sometime in 2019 but it's likely to be higher in a few years
1: all right here's a question if you had 245 billion dollars what would you do with it That's probably a question Tim Cook asks himself, except that he's actually got the money. One top Wall Street analyst is helping with some possible answers. That is next. Also ahead, a handful of media companies set to move big time after they report this week. The lineup and the trade coming up on Fast Money, live from the Nasdaq in Times Square. Welcome back to Fast Money. It is a $245 billion question. Who should Apple buy? J.P. Morgan out with a note today creating a short list of potential candidates, including gaming company Activision Blizzard, streaming giant Netflix and speaker company Sonos. But, you know, here at Fast Money, we love our games, so we thought we'd make a couple of matches of our own and play a little matchmaker. So we ask, who should Apple buy? by Dan?
2: Yeah, this is kind of an easy one. I know that people like to think of this hundred plus billion dollar acquisition the company should do. I don't think they're ever going to do something like that. But to me, Sirius XM would be one that they should really look at. It's a $26 billion market cap. They just closed their deal to buy Pandora. XMSR or Sirius has 34 million streaming subs. They're in cars. We know that's a place that Apple would like to be. Pandora has 70 million monthly active users. And this is a company, Apple, that just told us they have 50 million paid subscribers for Apple Music on a $900 million iOS base. I think that should be much higher. I think they should get into streaming. They have not been successful at it, so to me, I use the XMSR app. I think it's amazing streaming content, and I think it should be part of the Apple uh, ecosystem. One last thing, six and a half million or billion dollars in sales annually XMSR. You know, Apple's services is going to be a $40 billion or so. That would be a substantial part of that. And they're also competing with Amazon, who we know is going hard. They have about 100 million Prime subscribers. they got to start bundling other services. Apple Prime.
3: It's, an, it's a nifty pick. And it wouldn't be spending any money compared, what is it, $26 billion or yeah. something? You'd, you'd just be getting started. With the
0: but, but I wonder, you know, when you think of Apple buying something, they want to buy something sexy. I don't know if it hits the sexy was bill. Was it beat sexy?
2: I, or, mean, I mean, I'm just yeah, saying, but, I, no, think was, was I think they thought
0: that it was sexy. That was, I think, because they wanted that niche little play for them. And I think it was. When you look at Siri, it's sort of, it sort of feels like it, it, that's run out of gas. Where I agree with you. I love the product. I think the app is great. I think the home is great. But when you look at Apple, I think they have to really make a splash for them to do something. I, I like both stocks, but I don't think they do. Well it. then, Grasso, who would you say? Well, you have to look at what, you know, Dan was talking about increasing services. So you want that thirty-seven billion. billion, oh, I love the song, that $37 billion <laughs> revenue from, from, uh, from services. You wanna increase that, so you gotta go services. And for me, you know I'm still long, Square. Square is not just a payment processor, it's a whole host of services. They don't touch the the small consumer Apple as much as they should in this venue. So they have a big splash everywhere else. I think they should incorporate this in their ecosystem square.
1: Are there businesses? that We know
5: Apple
2: that would Grasso loves Square. <laughs> he right, loves right, Square. Right. Since but it should with Apple hat love hat size, square? and I give him credit for that. I just see that's just a big mess. I, I just I mean, it's not something that Apple delivery, really loans, wants to, I mean, They just don't want to be there. Wants? They don't want to be just there. They're doing a lot it, of though. amazing not, things, the and they're going to get bought. Square Cash,
0: Apple Pay, the whole thing fits. You know, the whole product. They, the guy who designed the Square point of sale was a former Apple employee. So this is something where I, I'm not sure either. By the way, yeah. but I think that it would make sense. <laughs> if I was sure, I wouldn't be here tonight. I'd just be loading up on more square. Carter,
3: what's your? Well, pick? you know, i talk about sex appeal. Uh, we'd be spending the most <laughs> money. Uh, Tesla, of course. So, uh, if, if the idea is to further penetrate into your user base and their lives, uh, you spoke about cars. Seriously, this this meets all of those objectives. It'll also, be soaking up a little bit more cash. All the other things we're talking about are 20 or 30 billion. This is in the 50s, at least. Maybe you pay 90 for it. Uh, I would say Tesla.
1: You like Tesla? Don't
3: no, you? no. Oh, you don't. You no, don't, don't like, Tesla like Tesla at all, unfortunately. You like it. if Apple acquires.
1: Yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah.
4: Maybe, maybe, maybe a little more stability yeah. that way. Um, no, not a big fan of Tesla at all. And, and I mean, Apple seems like they're kind of getting away from the autonomous driving, so I don't really know where, where Tesla fits in. Um, and it's just very, very expensive.
1: Well, they have the technology and they have all the miles driven. Well, let me tell you something. That's it, really you know, I know AI. that it's
2: been kicked around for a long time. I, I just don't think it's a dumb idea whatsoever. When you think about it, I mean, Elon Musk has considered this uh, technology innovator. Carter's thoughts
1: not a dumb idea. But,
2: no. Uh, well, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, he, he, <laughs> he, was basically, he was basically saying, but let me tell you something. You got Larry Ellison in there. You know, what, you there? know, you you know what Steve Jobs credited Tim Cook for doing is building out this the supply chain and building out this yeah. huge manufacturing sort of thing. And I think Tesla could probably use a the help. They're building Model 3. Intense just a few months ago, um, and really their opportunity is to go mass market in China. You know who knows how to go mass market in China? Tim Cook does. Um, you know, all the issues about their balance not sheet this and stuff quarter like that lot. would be a suede. So yeah. to me, I, I, listen, I think ultimately Tesla is going to have to license their software. They're going to license what's good about whatever they're doing there. It's not going to be an auto company, and I could see that Apple doing that. All right, Mark, what's your pick for Apple? So I like
4: Activision Blizzard. I mean, gaming and esports is just growing at a rapid rate. Uh, esports viewership is up 40% year over year. The Super Bowl had terrible ratings yesterday. Uh, viewership in all major league sports is down except for Major League Baseball, which is up 1% year over year. Super Bowl champion Robert Kraft owns an esport team. Shaq owns an esport team. A Rod owns an esport team. It is a legitimate league. So when you look at what causes people to upgrade products, when it comes to PCs, better video games. When it comes to going from a PlayStation 3 to a PlayStation 4, better video games. Going from an iPhone 10 to the 11 to the 12 to the 13, better video games. So I
1: like Activision. It's also content, potentially, for a streaming service for
2: Apple. Right. right. I've been a little chatty here. I'm going to be really quick. I mean, listen, Apple, you hate it. Apple's devices are all have really to say know. They're not known for gaming. It's not the sort of stuff that's that true, you right. want, that's A. Okay. And the other point is, they're not good at content. I mean, look how far behind they are almost all of their competitors in this thing. So to me, I don't like it.
0: How about you? Uh, well, I, I think it, it would be if you, if you really jot it out and whiteboard it. You have Apple TV. My kids play on Apple TV, but nowhere near what they play Fortnite, nowhere near what they play Call of Duty. So there's a lot of little things where you think it could, it, it could work. But I feel like the gaming stocks are in decline right now. I feel like they can't get out of their own way. I feel like they're, they have digital competition. And they're
1: candidates so, for acquisition. So maybe. Sale Maybe.
0: Yeah. So yeah, Square's 30% off. Cha ching.
1: <laughs> and we're back. Yep. <laughs> all right, coming up, lights, camera, media earnings, Twitter, Snap, Disney, Viacom, and Electronic Arts all on deck this week. We'll tell you how to trade them next. First, check out the Kramer cam tonight. Jim has got the CEO of Clorox, Ben O'Dor. after that company reported solid numbers this morning, and the stock soared. You can check out that interview, top of the hour, 6 p.m. Eastern, on Mad Money. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more Fast Money, just two minutes away. Welcome back to Fast Money. Disney set to report earnings after the bell tomorrow. So what should investors expect? Dan's over at the plasma with the options action. Dan.
2: Yeah, hey, Mel. So surprisingly, the options market is only implying about a 2.5% move in either direction on Wednesday following Disney's results. But on average, the stock has only moved about 1.7% over um, the last four quarters. Call volume is two times that of puts today. But just a, a little disclaimer here. It looked like there was a lot of people closing out of calls above the market here in March. So not exactly. Um, a bullish or bearish endorsement from what I could tell the chart setup is really interesting here Um, you know the one year it's been in about a 20 point range it's kind of like right at the midpoint here at about 111 here so it's really been consolidating but what I found really interesting um, about it was look at the five-year I mean I'm gonna do my best Carter worth here Um, look at this thing right here obviously since its 2015 highs it's been in this kind of wedge, I guess you would call it, a series of higher lows, but a series of lower highs. And it broke out last year. Above that, you take out the December massacre here, and maybe you have a little support or long-term support at 110, a beaten raise, and you could have this thing on its way back up near 122. That was its all-time high in 2015.
3: Some carbon. fine-looking lines you got there. And, and the line from the peak at 122 was the Star Wars. The stock ultimately is headed back there.
1: All right. Thanks for the action, Dan. For more options, action check out the full show, Fridays, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Final Trades, up next. Time for the final trade.
3: Carter. Small caps have come a long way. I take profits and doors short.
0: See, Grasso. XLV. There was a defensive nature to this last year. So if the mega cap or MAGA, as Dan's on the desk, starts to uh, peter out, you might see that defensive nature come back. XLV. Mark Tepper. Sell Tesla. Model S and X test drives
4: are down 50% year over year. Sell Tesla.
2: Dan Nathan. Yeah, generally it's not a great idea just to randomly buy stocks for takeout. And that's really not why I would say to buy Sirius because maybe Apple would buy them. But I think it's well set up with a combination of Pandora here. So I like Sirius.
1: All right, that does it for us. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Money. Meantime, don't go anywhere. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.
5: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At p it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals